Let's get some coffee. This is the Overland Voice. So I wanted to share a word this morning. It's just timeless. You know the story of King Saul. The Bible says, in fact, before there were kings, God had a deal with his people. Because they're like, we want a king, we want a king. And God's like, you don't need a king. You don't need to be like the other nations. No, we want a king. We want someone because other nations' kings go to battle for them. That was the premise of the whole book of Kings and Chronicles and all the things that happened. And God said, all right, you're going to regret this, but now, you, now you're going to have kings over you. Here enters Saul, guy who looked the part, was amazing, was great. It's like Hollywood, you know, that did good casting. He done did it. He messed up. He done messed up. It's like they say in the South. You know, he he was full of himself. He believed his own press. He had a priest. He had a prophet that, that was supposed to do the priestly things, but he had no regards for the things of God. He had no regards for how God had set things up or respect for them. So Saul comes in and there's a big battle. You'll see it on the first 10 chapters of first Samuel. And they're waiting now. They're supposed to offer a sacrifice and only Samuel's supposed to do it. But Samuel's not there. He's delayed. The people are there. His generals are there. The enemy's there. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to do this little, this little priestly thing, this little, you know, and, and, and it's, it's sort of a pattern of what happens even nowadays. It's like, oh, I got to do this church thing or I have to, yeah, 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 the Bible. You know, we could get to a point as humans to treat the order and the things of God in a, in a lighthearted way. And so what happened is Saul decides to cave in and says, I'll just offer the sacrifice. I mean, this is no brainer out of order. Not what he was supposed to do, right? All these characteristics that we're not going to go into today, but uh, sacrifice was made. Samuel comes in and is like, what have you done? He's like, oh, no big deal. No, no, this is a big deal. And then Saul has a repentant heart. Oh, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Can a little bit of God's forgiveness be thrown my way, you know, these are attitudes that happen today that it's like, sometimes we can get into a place that we're just out of tune with what God said we're supposed to do. And we treat it lightly. So something pivotal happens in the 14th verse of chapter 13 of 1 Samuel. Let's go to 11. So it says, but Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the appointed days, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. Therefore I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me, and I have not asked the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. Fear, blame. You know, you, it's your fault. You didn't do it. You see that spirit that's happening here. There's, there is this rationalization of excusing our actions when he knew it was wrong. In verse 13, Samuel said, you have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. The seed of the Messiah was supposed to come through Saul. And that one little thing, switch. 
It says, but now your kingdom shall not endure. Verse 14, the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him a ruler over his people. We know later in the story that he's speaking about David. David was a really young man at this time. Years went by. And yet God has said, here's, here's a man after my own heart. And I think that's important because he didn't, have, he didn't say that this man had God's heart. He said, he's a man after my heart. So I want to talk a little bit about that. What does it look like to have a heart after God's heart? Because that means he hadn't attained it. You know, and it's very interesting because I want to see what does it look like? What are some characteristics of God's heart, which was really, uh, it's one of the best examples so tightly together in the same, in the same time period. You know, we can look at the scripture and begin to do a study on God's heart in, across the ages. And you can do that. But I want to look specifically at David because he's, we know he makes a reference about a ruler after his own heart. So it's a very, it's a very small hyperbole. It's a very, you know, we don't have to guess here. We know it's David's heart. A couple of chapters later, if we flip over to 1 Samuel 17, we see David, who was a shepherd, the youngest of his brothers, right? Remember, uh, Samuel went to anoint somebody in that household and the oldest kid was there. Uh, surely, you know, tradition and everything says the oldest kid is, is the one that gets the inheritance. And the Lord's like, no, it's not him. What about another kid? What about another kid? And then he went through all the kids and, and Samuel says, don't you have any other kids? Well, we have a little lemon, a little mm -hmm. kid that's in the pasture over there. Well, I'm going to wait until he gets here. We know the story. He anoints him. We see here now, David, uh, his, David's brother was in a battle with the Philistines. And David was not in the army. He was a young kid. He, he, had, he had been separated. And then we get a glimpse into his heart, into God's heart, into someone who is at, going after God's heart. And so verse 20, it says, uh, so... David arose early. His dad sent him to give bread and, and food to his brother. So he goes there. Um, actually, I think that's important that we see verse 17. So 1 Samuel 17, 17. Then Jesse, his father, said to David, his son, Take now for your, for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these ten loaves and run to the camp of your brothers. I'm going to highlight this word run. They didn't say walk when you get around to it, if you feel like it, right? Very important. Bring also these 10 cuts of cheese to the commander of their, of their thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Not true. They were standing around. <laughs> they were about to fight. Verse 20, so David arose early in the morning and left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. A couple of things I want to break down here. Verse 20, he was a man after God's own heart. What's the first thing he did? He rose early. 
he fought a spirit of apathy, he fought a spirit of business as usual, of I'll get to it, of, of a lack of urgency. The word for some reason, it says that he rose early in the morning. I think it, it starts to paint a picture of God's desire towards mankind. This is how God reacted towards men. He immediately after the Adam and Eve fell, he put a plan in place of redemption. He rose early, if you would, air quotes, right? And so we're seeing a picture of David. David, it wasn't his fight. He could have just been like, okay, I'll get to it when I get to it. He gathered his stuff. The second thing he did is he left the flocks with a keeper. He did not neglect what he was supposed to do. He put things in order and he took the supplies. He was, he was someone who brought solutions to the table. He, he didn't go and say, hey, see what you can get. And, oh, you know, I don't have time for that. No, he, he went and did. And went as Jesse had commanded him. Now, verse 22, there's another trait here, which would be probably the fourth trait. He says, then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper. Again, checkbox job was done. Finishing, finishing well is another characteristic of God's own heart. He didn't, he didn't get confused or, or neglected something. He did hit the job, but he didn't stop there. He didn't turn around and left. What did he say? And he ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. Didn't walk, did, was not scared. You know, there's there's this posture, there's this aggressiveness, there's this like, I'm going to, I'm going to do what God asked me to do, and I'm just going to go the extra mile. And he ran to the battle. It's important that the Bible denotes this, guys. It's not extra words that just like oh, someone just decided to write poetically. There is the Holy Spirit is crafting this thing, and he's showing us what is going after God's own heart means. It includes running. No one asked him to do that. It wasn't part of his job description, right? Ran to the battle line. He could have waited till, you know, asked around, hey, where are my brothers? Oh, they're in the battle line. Woo, okay. Well, let me know when they're back because I, I want to see how they're doing. You know? Now, fast forward to verse 26, the sixth trait here. He's hearing people complaining. He's hearing of inactivity. He's seeing the, the uh, armies at a standstill. He sees this loudmouth guy keeping everybody in fear, not his job. He's aware of his surroundings. He's looking around. He's going, hmm, I don't like this. Remember, he had already chased the lion, had already defeated the bear. He had done things in his life that he was not afraid of. He had proven himself. He had gone after this. You know, he was confident. He has his little rocks. He's got a little, he's like, bring it on. And it's important to know that he wasn't, it wasn't a character trait. It wasn't like, oh, well, David was David. He was a human. We are seeing, we're seeing a model of what God's heart is. Because that's what he said. So here's what happened. Verse 26, then David spoke to the men who were standing by. Look at what a contrast. I'm a Christian. There's a lot of Christians that are standing by. You know, it's okay. They're, they're there, but they're never going to conquer something. You're going to live your life. It's going to go like this. 
80 years will go by and you are probably going to be afraid. Well, that's, they were not after God's own heart. There's a contrast here because he says they were standing by. So David spoke to the men who were standing by saying, what will be done for the men who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would taunt the armies highlight of the living God? So what do we see here? First of all, he picked a fight or really he responded to an aggression. He wasn't passive aggressive. He wasn't scared. It's God's own heart. He, he, didn't, he didn't mind his own business. He got into the business. Because he had a right perspective. This would be like the, what are we, seventh? I don't know. Seventh trait. He picked a fight. He responded to crisis. He acted without being told to. You know? And then he didn't say, because you're an army, because you're a soldier. No, his perspective was, you're not just an army. You are the army of the living God. And I think that changes things. When we walk around knowing that I'm not just a Christian, I am part of the army of the living God with authority, with a subduing power. When you get up in the morning, you say, no, what am I going to conquer today? What's going to make me afraid? How am I going to, I'm going to get into some, some, someone's business, you know, and it's, it's not meddling. It's like, hey, defending the weak, the weak of heart, the ones with lack of per- perspective. The people answer him in accord with his word, saying, thus it will be done for the men who kills him. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Okay, conflict is going to come to you when you stand up. You're not going to be the popular person. People get offended. But that's not his heart, right? He says, I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart. For you have come down in order to see the battle. That is a whole, verse 28 is a whole different subject in its own. We could talk an hour just about that, about how conflict comes and how the opposition comes to quench your heart. It's not against you. It begins to bring your past. It begins, you, I know your wickedness. I know, I know who you really are. You think you're trying to rise above this. We're not talking about that. We're going to move on to verse 32. Eighth. Is it eighth? Is that where I am? I don't know. Eighth or ninth. I don't know. Um, so let's go to verse 31. When the words which David spoke were heard, they told them, to Saul, and he sent for him. Verse 32, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Okay, here's the next one. Respectful boldness. God's own heart. There's a way to speak to the king. He was respectful. But David, this little kid, calmed the king down. Hey, 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 it's okay. I'm going to do this. You know, it's against, it probably was against policy, I would think, army policy. You don't let a kid come in and fight for you. 
right? But there is this boldness because you have the right perspective, because you get up early in the morning, because you run to the battle line, because you do all of these things, painting a picture of God's DNA. He picked a fight. He responded to an aggression, right? He understood that it wasn't just an army, that it was the armies of the living God. Then he finds a dude in charge and doesn't criticize him, but brings hope, brings a solution. Doesn't, doesn't condemn him. He says, hey, guess what? I have a servant's heart. I'll do it. So, such a important trait. You know, how often do we just snap to it and and go for it? You know, when, when you hear something, when you hear, you know, we see this later on in David's mighty men who are mentioned also in Samuel. What were their characteristics? They picked it up from David. They're the guys who ran into a cave in the winter chasing a lion. A dude that fought next to him and fought so hard when the whole army fled that his hand, the Bible says, was was stuck to his sword. Some battle expert says that that happens when there's so much blood and you're just you're just in the battle that that things get sticky. You know? And and David never asked the guys, hey, come fight for me. Everybody's left. The dude just looked back. Everybody's running. He looks at David. It's a beautiful story that's for another day too. And, and, and something happens there. He draws his sword and he stands next to him. He's like, well, if we're going to die, we're going to die. And the two of them took, took out in a lentil field, took out hundreds and thousands of Philistines and won that day. The two of them. Because they were after God's own heart. And then the whole army looked, peaked and went, oh, I guess we won. Spoils! Let's go get the spoils. And, and David's mighty men, if you read the story, gets upset and says, why? Why should they get the spoils when they didn't fight? And David said, hey, calm down. They're part of our team. Let them. God's own heart. You know? So you shouldn't feel like it's unfair. Well, I was treated unfairly because look at that person. Look at that person. Listen, God doesn't see it that way. God's heart says, it's all right. They're part of the team. They know. They know. You know in your heart when, when you're slacking. No one has to tell us. You know when you're slacking. And God is such a good guy that he sometimes he doesn't, most of the time he doesn't call you out. Right? But we see here, he says, let no man's heart fail on account of him. What does that mean? Condemnation. Don't, be, don't let your heart condemn you. Don't let your heart say that you are weak, that you are, oh, I'm a loser. Look at this little kid. He's showing me off. Right? He's, God's heart protects your heart. Because why? Because he's going to fight for you. We are going to fight if we take on his heart. He says, I will go and fight. But it's important that he, he label himself your servant. And I think having a servant warrior heart is, is the key. Is, is the final trait in, these, in this few things. I, we could go on. We don't have time. But 
The other, there's a lot more traits in his heart, like uh, going into battle without all of its resources, not waiting to for scaffolding, not waiting for something to lean on, not having excuses. What do I have? I've got a sling. It is what it is. He had confidence in who he was, who God said he was. And he wasn't even in the army. That's a hilarious thing. You know, but he goes, no, it's me. It's for me too. So I'll put a pin on this right now. But guys, this is for all of us. We have to embrace God's own heart and let us be the ones that are after God's own heart. Let, let us be the ones who, uh, if nobody else is doing it, you do it. There is a reward. There's a blessing. There was a reward for him. There was a blessing for doing this. But he didn't do it because of that. He didn't do it because what was in it for him. What was the contract? What was the contract? No, he goes, oh, bonus. I get your daughter and I don't have to pay taxes. Sweet. You know, goes out there. Boom. They chase it. And he was so, David was so focused, especially in this time in his life, because I believe God was telling a story through him, that when he cut Goliath's head, he actually, later on you read that he actually uh, brought the head to his tent. He's like, I did that. Look what the Lord did. What is bigger than this? You know, and I think it's important also to remember the wins, remember the great things that God did for us and be thankful for them because we forget. It's amazing miracles that happen in our lives and you're contending for it. And then it's like, here it is. And then a year later, it's like, Lord, why aren't you answering my prayers? It's like, it's like childish, you know, but let's today go, okay, Lord, I, I want to be also a man after your own heart. That doesn't mean I've attained it, but I'm going to go after it. I'm going to appropriate of these things. And you know what? You can't imitate this. You have to let God work it out so that it comes out through you. It's a natural response of our yielding to the Lord. Because if we try to be to act like it, we're going to get burned out. We're going to get frustrated. And it's not about that. This is just an example of the anointing that came upon his life, caused all this. And when Joel spoke about, hey, I will pour out my spirit among all flesh, and we see that it happened in Acts 2, that anointing, that oil is available to us. And it's still a choice. You know, so hope this was a blessing and encouraged you, and uh, you can do it. Thanks for listening. Join us again right here for Coffee and the Overland Voice.